This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. This is Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Trilin. Tonight, we discuss a comment that T20 parents are sending their children to MRSM so that they can mingle with people from different economic backgrounds. So first, we're going to hear from Kogilavani Muniandi, who works with B40 Youths um, and particularly champions the importance of mental health, to get her take on the situation. But we want to hear from you as well. What do you make of this statement? What value is there in young people getting exposure to people poorer or richer than themselves? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our mobile number 018789 This is Inside Story. is 6.08 and the starting point of our conversation today actually comes uh, from a statement made by the president of the MRSM Malaysia Student Association, Mohamed Fazil Yusuf, who said that T20 parents are sending their children to MRSM because they want to teach them the hardships of life by allowing their their children to mingle with people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Now, a couple of things there. This firstly came about in an interview with Sinar Haryan and A couple of things there, right? I recognize that there are a couple of layers here that might be a little uncomfortable. Uh, It sounds a little bit patronizing. Uh, There are also then the complications of what MRSM is supposed to do. Um, And of course, there's already been pushback uh, that, you know, these places are meant to be for kids who perhaps cannot afford other forms of education. Why would you take those spots away? But I think there's something there to that conversation about um, how having... um, a more exclusive schooling system also means that we are not necessarily giving our young people the opportunity to meet people from different economic backgrounds from themselves. We, yes, and that there is, of course, value in um, in having, in theory, empathy and compassion and understanding uh, for people who grew up in different ways to you. Um, and, and this can be extended in any number of ways. Today, we are particularly talking about socioeconomic backgrounds and class. But frankly, if you are talking about about upbringing, if you're talking about the ways in which your upbringing make you different from your fellow friends or your fellow um, classmates, then of course that conversation can really widen in any number of ways. I think some of the issues with the statement itself uh, is that it does come off sounding like, like your your touring yes. in, in the lives yes. of people who have struggles that you will never understand because you are just wealthier or wealthy. And that you know, the the situations and circumstances of people poorer than you shouldn't be there as cautionary tales or shouldn't be there or as... life lessons. Life lessons, yeah. yes, exactly. You know, that that's not how to think about it. So acknowledging that, if we move away from, from that a little bit and instead talk about the importance of exposure or for that matter, I, I was thinking about this, about how for a lot of, a lot of us, I think the first time you either... The first time you reckon with your own family's wealth or lack thereof in relation to someone else's is actually one of the paths, one of the stepping stones to adulthood for a lot of children. Um, I, I think that it's a big one, actually. I remember asking my parents when I was younger, are we, what are we? Are we, are we poor? Are we middle class? Are we rich? Because people keep talking about these categories. So what are we? Um, how much money do we actually have in the bank? Um, you know, what does all of this mean? Because as a child, you don't really have an understanding of that. And I think actually one of the one of the greatest things about a public education system, which I, I was a part of, is that, uh, well, again, I say this with a caveat, it depends maybe which areas you grew up in, uh, where your schools were. I remember actually not necessarily knowing how big the gaps were between some of myself uh, between myself and the, the the friends I went to school with uh, and in either direction um, some people were very far ahead of me some people were very far behind me in terms of socioeconomic background and it's jarring the first time you really yes, realize there that. is always a point at which you might realize oh my friend's parents do these sorts of jobs yes. or uh, my this person is on the school's uh, free uh, milk program 
program, you know, and, and what does that mean, right? Um, and I do think it is important to be able to, uh, one, recognize that you live in a society made up of all of these people, um, all of these different groups of people, but also to, for on either end of it, to be able to connect and communicate with them meaningfully. So, we are going to be exploring this question exactly with our guest in just a little bit. We'll be joined by Kogla Vani Muniandi, who is a licensed counsellor and co-founder of Good Kids. Uh, but we want to hear from you as well. What value is there in young people getting exposure to people poorer or richer than themselves? You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about a statement um, from the president of the MRSM Malaysia Student Association that T20 families are choosing to send their kids to MRSM as a way to expose them to people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, And so we thought we'd broaden that remark a little bit and talk about, uh, well, firstly, what do you make of that statement? But also what value is there in young people getting exposure to people poorer or richer than themselves? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Kogilavani Muniandi, licensed counsellor and co-founder of Good Kids, a social enterprise that runs mental health programs for B40 youth. Kogi, good to have you with us. Hello, Sharmila. Thank you for having me. So let's first unpack that remark made by the MRSM uh, Student Association president that T20 parents send their kids to MRSM to teach them about the hardships of life, right? What do you think mm-hmm. of this statement? I think there needs to be a bit more depth to this statement because, um, you know, complex, this is a complex thing that you're talking about. Even simple things like maths and science actually need facilitation when you want to teach kids. Now you're talking about complex social economic status, which comes with layers of you know understanding and why are these things even existent? Um, what defines this? What does this mean? So there needs to be a lot of information that um, uh, to be given to the students if they are sending the kids to MRSM for them to understand this. It doesn't just come like you know watch and learn. Because I understand learning comes from experience and observation, but you really need to set the expectations right. Because life is hard when you are poor, but that doesn't define a person, right? It describes their current situation. That is what social economic status means. So if teenagers don't understand this, then it's actually going to create more chaos, right? So give, give enough information for them to understand what is rich and what is poor. And what are the similarities that you have between these different socioeconomic statuses and what are the differences? What are the opportunities and what are the adversities? So this has to come together with you know, the um, expectation of them mingling with different socioeconomic status students. So uh, we were talking about this earlier, right? Because within the context of MRSM, the statement has mixed reactions. But in a larger sense, if we step back, why is it important for young people to firstly be made aware that these socioeconomic differences exist, um, even among their peers, and learn to connect with people from different backgrounds? Because we want people who have humanity at heart, right? Uh, regardless of what their socioeconomic background is. Because if a student is coming from a rich background, uh, they might have a different understanding about what is life. And the moment they see someone from a lower socioeconomic background, they might already have a uh, preconceived idea that, oh, this person is in a different level compared to me. But what we want to teach people is for you to see what are the similarities that you have with the other person. We want to encourage compassion. We want to encourage action. So the hope is for students to view poverty and equality as something unfair when they understand it, then they will eventually work to correct it. So that is the hope for the future because we need to understand that if we are going to grow, we have to grow together. There's no such thing as someone is being left behind because of unequal opportunity. So that is, uh, in my opinion, uh, why we need to actually 
have people, uh, especially teenagers, to understand the socioeconomic background. So this actually comes up fairly often uh, because of of late, in, especially in the last decade or so, there are a lot of worries about our students increasingly operating in fairly segregated backgrounds, uh, segregated environments in school, right? So mm-hmm. for students who attend, let's say, private or international institutions, which signal a, a specific kind of economic background, uh, how else can we make sure they have an awareness of these differences? Okay. Um, in my personal opinion, it is very unfortunate that education is privatized and uh, it is a profitable business. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, this is something is inevitable uh, here. So the kids who go to um, private education institutions actually know that they are privileged. It's an underlying statement that everybody knows. You know, they, they know they're privileged. So the best is for us to speak about that privilege and get them to imagine how life will be without it, right? So that they can understand, oh, okay, I'm here because of this privilege that I have. Expose them early days to social and environmental impact. What are the things that they can do with the privilege that they have in order to elevate others to a higher level? So this kind of education actually empowers them and it emphasizes on compassion and empathy, right? Um, so that I think is something that we can look into uh, in private education institutions. So uh, I-, I wanted to follow up on that because I think sometimes for adults in particular this talk of privilege and acknowledging for example your own privilege can be a very loaded one um, the people push back against it people say oh you know it's not privileged I, I worked hard for it you you get all these sorts of reactions um, and I'm curious whether we see those same kinds of reactions um, in, in younger people in children whether there is that feeling of uh, well it's uncomfortable for me to acknowledge my privilege I, I don't really want to do that Yes, of course, it's uncomfortable because you you want to you know um, you you want to be acknowledged for the hard work that you do, and I don't deny that you know sometimes you you do work hard to get where you are, you know, for a certain level of education and you know the amount of wealth that you have. But what you need to understand is that wealth is not equivalent to worth, right? So your worth actually comes from what you do, how you you your attitude, and how do you treat others as well. So when you understand that privilege is actually a position where I can give others, privilege is a position where I have more than what other people have and I can actually share. Uh, regardless, you know, it can be wealth, it can be your knowledge, your time, anything. So that is what, you know, privilege should come from when you educate younger people so that they understand that, oh, it's not something to boast about. It's something that I can share. Is something that I can give. So that context has to be established in order for them to understand that this is actually okay for me to understand that I have this privilege. Now, there is a uh, a report, a sociology report that um, we were looking at uh, from 2023 by Dee Zwyer, who pointed out that integrating students of different socioeconomic backgrounds uh, might actually help to reduce social inequality in educational outcomes because students from less advantaged backgrounds can gain access to resources through their relationships with their uh, more privileged peers. What do you think about this? Does a more diverse learning environment actually influence academic achievements? Yes, definitely it does. Um, I personally experienced it in my primary school where I think uh, my teacher actually um, decided to put those who do well academically, they paired up with someone who don't do well academically. And usually the ones who don't do well academically also fall under the lower socioeconomic background. So when that happened, overall, our class performance academically actually improved because it was like a mentor mentee kind of program. And this actually happened in a government school. And I think it was a very good um, effort by the teacher because um, the teacher actually explained that where you are coming from is actually, you know, you are giving what knowledge you have to another person who needs help. So that was how it was facilitated. So it needs to be facilitated well in order for this to happen. Like you need to have proper... Um, guidelines, the teachers have to be trained. Why are you doing this? 
and the teachers need to know that you have to break the stereotype first. And you know, don't judge someone by the clothes that they wear, the way they speak, um, the food that they eat. And all this can be glaring and sometimes it can be intimidating. So this can also establish power dynamics that will actually not facilitate learning because for learning to happen, it has to be a safe space. So people from different socioeconomic backgrounds have to come together in a safe space for the learning to happen. And for that, you need the teachers and the school to actually have proper guidelines. You work with kids uh, from B40 communities. What are some of the challenges they potentially face when connecting with people who are from different or higher socioeconomic backgrounds? Okay. Um, it's actually multiple levels. <laughs> so imagine a B40 kid going to school, right? Um, the kid cannot access education like a kid who is coming from a higher socioeconomic background because um, the underlying basic needs are actually not met. So probably uh, they didn't have breakfast. That's, a, that's the case for most of them. They probably didn't sleep well because of you know the environment that they live in. A lot of them live in small flats, which is actually very noisy and very cramped up. Um, they always feel less because of you know the way they look like. Uh, some of them are shabbily dressed. And they always feel like everyone else is looking at them. Uh, when we work with the Orang Asli community, the students used to say in Malay that kita tak sama seperti mereka, which means we are not the same like them. And this is how they always feel. And all of this in their head, they are carrying it every day to school, which means it, there's no space for them to learn, right? So if schools can actually facilitate uh, uh, diversity and inclusion, you know, for them to understand that um, it's okay for people to come from different socioeconomic backgrounds and what does that mean? And how can we all be here together in order for us to learn? So that kind of facilitation in school is actually important for us to see that these kids actually don't fall behind. Because once they start falling behind academically, that is the root cause of you know, a lot of other issues, including mental health issues, because this adds on their stress, anxiety, and eventually it leads to behavioral issues and attitude issues that needs a long-term correction. Yeah. Kogi, what would you like to leave us with? Um, so start talking about this you know, in schools. Start talking about social economic background differences and understand why this is happening. Where is this coming from? Teachers themselves shouldn't discriminate. We have seen certain, you know, people who are in position of uh, teaching actually making remarks. So this conversation should happen more and normalize that people from different backgrounds will come together and learn. And practice empathy and compassion in any learning um, environment. So that is actually more important than actually getting kids to ace in exams. Kogi, thanks for speaking with us today. You're welcome and thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. That was Kogila Mani Muniandi uh, from Good Kids, a social enterprise that runs mental health programs for B40 youth. We've been asking you, what value is there in young people getting exposure to people poorer or richer than themselves? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for your messages. So keep it here. BFM 89.9. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 6.37. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about um, students, schools and socioeconomic backgrounds. So this comes um, from a statement by the president of the MRSM Malaysia Student Association, who said that T20 parents um, have been sending their children to MRSM because they want to teach them about the hardships of life by allowing them to mingle with students of different 
uh, economic backgrounds. So we've been expanding that to ask you, firstly, what do you make of the statement? But also, what value is there in young people getting exposure to those poorer or richer than themselves? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a voice note that's come in. This is from Michael. I believe that teaching the young generation about hardship is very good, but sending them to MRSM and take up the post and position of others who needs it more will not be a good way. A better way is for the wealthy or wealthier family to really restrict and put some discipline on their younger children in terms of giving them money, finance, so that the younger generation of the wealthier family would know how to struggle and how to manage their life without all the luxury for their wealthy parent. I think this is one way to teach the younger generation on how to manage life and knowing how tough life is. Michael, thank you for that. Um, You know, you're not the only one saying um, MRSM is supposed to serve a specific function. For what it's worth, um, in that same article, uh, the MARA chairman, Dato Ashraf Wajdi Dusuki, did clarify that MRSM isn't only for B40 students, but even, uh, and even though priority is is for those from low-income groups and they constitute 60% of the student body, the remaining 40% are for M40 and T20 students, providing they pass the admission test. But that said, I also, um, I completely see where you're coming from. And I think it goes back to what our guest Kogi said earlier, right? Simply putting them in these spaces is not enough. That there needs to be other sorts of um, efforts made to get people, get students to understand what it actually means to live differently. Yeah. So I I think, um, you know, in a lot of our education conversations, at some point, we rub up against the question of what is the responsibility of the education system? and what is the responsibility of the home. Mm. And Michael, I think that that's actually what you're pointing to, that in some ways saying that, okay, I'll I'll rely on school to give this sort of social friction or to provide this sort of social difference, that is not enough. Um, So I I actually think um, that, like our, our guest mentioned, that a blend of the two makes sense, that ultimately... Ultimately, the family can only do so much. I can only do so much telling you um, of what the world is go- is like or going to be like uh, before you actually have to head out there and start meeting people and start seeing for yourself that there are people different to you, that there are people separate to you, that they also matter, you know, and that's where for a lot of young people, schools come in. Michael, I think your point, though, is that parents do need to do a lot of groundwork before that actually happens. Well, Shani is um, on a similar uh, track saying, T20 sending kids to MRSM? What hypocrisy. The T20 parents should let their kids take public transport to school to learn about hardship rather than sending (laughs) them in their big cars. Uh, There's something about the contrast of that vision that's very bitter. Um, You know, that that notion of big cars, because it's true. Mm. This is actually true true that you can't expect yeah you go to school and then you're going to meet uh, students who don't have your big car but the point is you're still going to school in that car yes. no and and are you having conversations about yes, that the difference? conversations about conversations about that difference is really where the crux of this lies Shariza though uh, is extending that further and saying why not put low students from a low economic background with some subsidies into international school with rich kids. They're just trying to divert from the fact that the T20 are getting into MRSM, which was made for the needy. Now, Shariza, uh, I'm not sure if you caught earlier that that clarification that's been made by the Mara chairman that priority is given to the needy, but not necessarily exclusivity. Mm. Having said that, I think this point about evening out our education system is a good one. I, I I think you might have been making it sarcastically, but there is still something there. Actually, the notion of... Um I use the term scholarship loosely because that implies only academic achievements. But the notion of um, having kids from different uh, backgrounds, economic backgrounds in particular, being able to attend the more elite schools is not something that's new. We see it happening in uh, the US, for instance, where actually these sort of disparities are very stark. Uh, we see it in the uh, in the UK even, uh, where kids are allowed um, access to schools where, and they view it as a two-way exchange, right? Um, on the one 
one hand, a better, uh, better access to, um, uh, what's the word, facilities and so on, but also as a way for the school itself to be more diverse. Yes, and, and that question of diversity is one that's coming through in a number of different messages. Uh, let's start with this one from Anon who says, as a Malaysian boomer, there were only public vernacular or missionary schools back in the day. These schools have people from a wide economic background. So I was exposed to the real social setup right from the moment I stepped out of my home. Blending into society after completing my formal education was relatively easier. But I had to send my daughter to a private school because I wanted her to have English medium education. True to my suspicions, I have to constantly remind her that there are a lot of people out in the real world who cannot afford expensive coffee as a staple drink, nor overseas vacations during school holidays, which teachers or schoolmates expected her to talk about. I'm still brainwashing my daughter at every other opportunity I come across. That's the price I have to pay. So I'm looking forward to our public schools upgrading their quality and or having English medium so that our future generations can be relevant on an international front. I think that mixed social socioeconomic environments in schools is an extremely important aspect to bring back to our education system. Well, firstly, Anon, I completely agree with you. Um, I do think that our schools, um, one of the values, as I said earlier, of a public education system, and we often talk about this through the lens of race, or we are seeing schools become increasingly monocultural. But I also think that the other uh, risk or danger of it is that it's increasingly becoming um, or viewed as only being for those who cannot afford anything else. And I think that's actually not at all the direction to go if you want to have a real sense of what Malaysians are. So the thing... So earlier, our guest um, Kogi spoke about how private school students know, right, that they are privileged. Yes, or or, or should should yeah. should know, or should be able to acknowledge that they're privileged. And um, anon, like you, I went to a private school um, in my primary years, and actually earlier in talking about that difference, um, the or, or that moment where you realize oh, I see, we are not of the same background, actually, um, happened exactly because, like your story about your daughter, I would return from school holidays and our teachers would ask each of us where we went. Um, and there was mm. an expectation that we would have gone skiing in Vermont. Or, you know, and there were those kinds of examples that were being given. And I had gone nowhere. <laughs> you know, I had spent my time reading at home. Um, and even that was with love to my parents, um, even that was decried as expensive. You're reading too much. So I, it was a very different sort of background. I think I've told this story, uh, maybe not on air, but certainly to you, Sharmila, mm -hmm. that um, returning from Chinese New Year holidays, a teacher outright asked us all to tell the class how much we'd each gotten for Ang Pao's. My goodness. And I remember you telling me this, but yes, it never fails to shock firstly, me. Firstly, it's rude. Uh, secondly, my classmates were answering in the thousands. And, mm. and I realised, oh, we are from different worlds. We are from different backgrounds. And I I think that realization is an important one and, and it helped me place myself and it helped me later on when I met people again from entirely different backgrounds. Keep your thoughts coming. We are asking you, what value is there in young people getting exposure to those poorer or richer than themselves? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Baba from Malacca, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.51, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been asking you, what value is there in young people getting exposure to those of uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have more messages that have come in. Yes, and um, this one from Nikki I think is particularly great. Nikki says, we are fortunate enough to be able to send our son to a posh tadika and daycare for a couple of years. Last year, when he was six, he followed us to vote in a neighbourhood primary school and he was shocked at how different it was from the learning environment that he was used to and commented about paint peeling off handrails, the not-so-clean toilet, stained and mossy walls, all of this with much disgust. That was actually a wake-up call for me and my husband that he was too sheltered and privileged. For his primary school daycare... We initially shortlisted a nice and slightly premium one, but after much thought, we signed up for one that is more 
again, normal, not perfect, catalogue-worthy environment. He was quite reluctant at first, but after a couple of days, he announced that he liked the daycare better than his tadika because the food was tastier, he had more friends. So now we are more conscious about the choices we make and we want to make sure as much as we try to give the best to our kids, we also keep them in check with reality. So I think this is actually a, a really lovely example of um, that, that intersection you were talking about, right? On the one hand, yes, environment school. But on the other hand, also parents um, taking an active role in um, shaping that and, and giving meaning to what these experiences can be. Because, I mean, it is true. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't mean that, oh, if I want my child to have a good experience, um, they can never be exposed to the realities of life. It also doesn't mean I need to put them in the most difficult circumstance possible. There is a middle ground. And I feel like this is actually a very um, helpful way in which you can work this out for yourself. I also think sometimes it's very easy to blanket everything as I want to give my child the absolute best. Yes. Um, and, and how that can result in, uh, like you were pointing out, Nikki, potentially someone becoming unaware um, that not everyone lives like this, for example, or unaware that in fact, um, perhaps, you know, that question of empathy that we've been talking about. And I think it's really interesting. I'm not a parent, so it's really interesting to hear parents try to work this out for themselves, that balance between, I want my kid to have tip top, whatever I can afford the most. Um, but at the same time, I don't want them to forget that this is also maybe not representative of real life. We have a voice note that's come in. This is from Bing. What's the big hoo-ha about having rich kids in MRSMs? I mean, in the 90s, uh, PJ schools, Jaya schools, secondary schools, they were accepting uh, what they call asrama students. Uh, basically, these are asrama uh, uh, boys and girls from uh, rural areas and studying in elite schools within the city areas. It's very common, and in fact, this is something very good for them to understand uh, what they call differences in culture, differences in social economical scales, right? So. Yeah, if MRSN intends to have a T20 kid in school, why not? I think it's open, it's better, you know. Actually, education shouldn't just be just solely focused on poor people. I mean, those subsidized ones, but, you know, you need to have a good mix. Yeah, so that they could understand, you know, what is being rich, what's being poor, what's being middle income. And then you have a better overall understanding of what it is to be human. That's why it's critical to have diversity. That people would understand, you know, how privileged you were or how underprivileged you are probably gives you the initiative to do better and thrive better to be something like one of your schoolmates or your friends. I mentioned schoolmates because sometimes, you know, you might be... uh, not included into certain circles because of your social status but anyway it gives the individual on either side uh, a different understanding and values on what your present moment is and what you can be if you, uh, if, if if you if if you do not maintain your class social class you know or you don't improve yourself so it actually puts everyone on their toes so I believe this it should be encouraged. You know, there's no hoo-ha about it. Just do it. Bing, um, I'm not sure whether perhaps you might have misunderstood what the, the beginning of this issue was. It isn't really about who should be allowed into MRSM. Um, to be clear, that's actually, um, as we said earlier, 60% prioritised for students of B40 backgrounds, 40% for everyone else. Um, the contention came about because of a remark basically saying that T20 parents are choosing to send their kids to MRSM to expose them to those of different backgrounds. Yeah, I, I think... I'm not sure how I feel about um, I'm not sure how I feel about people being used to or people people's circumstances being thought of as you should better yourself so that you don't 
um, you know, change class. I, I recognize the logic in it. I do. And I think that uh, for a very long time, that is how parents talk to children about things like jobs. So I, I do get the logic. I think, however, that um, for me personally, and again, coming from a privileged position, there are other conversations to be had about why maybe um, about the specific benefits of that mix above and beyond ensuring that everybody betters themselves. But instead, going back to what our guest was talking about earlier, things like empathy. No, absolutely right. Because the thing with this whole, they can be a good way for you to think you can better yourself. The problem with that is the implication that there is a person better than you. Um, I think having an aspirational, um, having aspirations is important. It's good. Uh, but on the other hand, it shouldn't become a way for you to feel even worse about yourself than you likely already do. Um, because as we heard from our guest earlier, um, a lot of kids from B40 communities already go into school with a fair amount of insecurity, um, assumptions that they're being viewed in a certain way. Um, I think that thinking that the only value of being amongst kids of different backgrounds is a way to better themselves is maybe not the starting point that we should we should be going towards. Um, anyway, keep your thoughts coming. We will continue the conversation after this. We're asking you, what value is there in young people getting exposure to people poorer or richer than themselves? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing female ministers, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're just a little recap of where our conversation today originated. So um, there was a statement made by the president of MRSM Malaysia Student Association, Mohamed Fazil Yusuf, who said that T20 parents um, are sending their children to MRSM because they want to teach them about the hardships of life by allowing them to mingle with students of different economic backgrounds. So we've been... Expanding that conversation to talk about, well, firstly, what you make of this particular statement, but in a larger sense, what value is there in young people getting exposure to those poorer or richer than themselves? So do keep sending your thoughts through. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. So, okay, um, some people talking about diversity in very specific ways. Um, Amirul says, I don't find anything wrong with this. Yes, MRSM is for the less fortunate, but the schools need funds as well. Beyond the PIBG fees, schools need sponsorships and ideas from parents. Also, I'm sorry for being blunt, but why is it wrong to re to acknowledge that luck and risk are beyond our control, that one's circumstances can influence one's life? Acknowledging this will help us to be more realistic and empathetic towards others, but more importantly to ourselves. Letting kids be in their own bubble will skew their worldview. So many um, good points there. Actually, the the one about MRSM um, being needing funding and so on. Um, I think that is part of the it, that is part of the argument being made by those who are pro looking at it through this lens, right? Um, but your no, it, as, as to your point about empathy, about having a clear understanding of the world. Um, no, absolutely. I think that's exactly it. Uh, Wen Hong is making a similar point, saying, I think it's all right for the T20 to send their kids to MRSM, but they shouldn't be entitled to the same subsidized tuition fees enjoyed by the B40. I do subscribe to the idea of diversity in school, but this should not be limited to financial status, but also ethnicity and gender, because that's what makes up Malaysia. Yeah. Um, so again, two, two separate, but I think cousin points in some ways uh, on the subject of diversity and its importance and how how to actually get there. We also have um, this point that came in from Lux who says, I see a parallel of this with putting kids in classes following their academic results. This puts kids down knowing that they're in the classes that are at the back and how is this helping our children being apathetic? Lux, I'm glad you brought this up because actually this is something that I have major problems with. Um, I see the sense in saying, okay, some kids are perhaps on a are more advanced and might need specific kinds of specialized attention. But I think this um, inclination in many schools really to have the smart classes and the not so smart classes really means that there is very little incentive for those who know that they're being branded as not so smart to 
one, work harder, but on the other hand, also creating this sort of really arbitrary system of who gets valued and who doesn't. So this is difficult, right? Because on the one hand, we say that we want schools to be places where... What are schools? You know, I think this is what it comes down to. What are schools supposed to be? Are they just supposed to be places where our children get the best possible education? And if that's the case, then let's put in systems in which it allows for the most efficient delivery of said service, which is where something like this comes in, right? Um, let's just do that. And then let's just stick to that. If, on the other hand, we want schools, as we do, um, firstly, say that up front, to be a more well-rounded experience, to accomplish all sorts of other things as well, including preparing children for adulthood or at least for life after school in a well-rounded way, then we need to consider that some of the things we've been doing that are business as usual may not actually be that great when you take away the pure efficiency or pure logic of it. Well, actually, just going back to what our um, guest Kogi earlier said, that um, teaching our kids humanity, empathy is more important than just how to ace their exams. And I really think that needs to be integrated better in how we approach our schools. We have some personal experiences coming Coming through. So on Twitter, Izer says, Izer, I assume that's how you pronounce your handle, um, says, I'm from a low income family. Um, I studied in MRSM. Having friends from higher social classes actually was beneficial more for me than them. MRSM is, in fact, our best way to have access to top class facilities and to be able to widen our network. Um, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I this was a point that we raised a little bit earlier, but it's interesting to hear from somebody for whom this has actually been the case. But I think um, I read a lot of biographies, uh, a fair amount of them. And I've noticed that in the biographies of people who go on to become world leaders or who become top of their field, it's actually alarming and sometimes a little bit disheartening. I know it's just the way of the world. I'm just saying that uh, to notice how many people in their inner circle um, were people that they met in college or people that they met in university. It makes a lot of sense because obviously if you are going on to become a lawyer, you meet people, others who are studying to be lawyers, you follow along on their journey. All of it makes sense. But it does speak to a certain privilege and network continuing to stay only among a very stratified few. And is there, I think what you're pointing out is are the ways in which you can actually pierce that network a little bit and create that diversity there as well. And how actually for a lot of um, students who lack other networks or other uh, resources and so on to form these relationships, school and, and university and college can become a valuable way to access these. Uh, Gerald actually is saying, um, I was brought up in an excessively privileged environment, private kindergarten, private primary school, and then boarding school, which enabled me to get into a top university. I looked down on lower income people, never really encountered them, was scared of them. I then joined the Navy and for the first time encountered people from every part of the country, every level of income, every level of education. What a waste of 21 years of my life, all that privileged upbringing was. I now realize that God gives everyone talents of innovation, practicality, art, science, irrespective of upbringing. Please don't give your kids the same blinkered upbringing. Gerald, thank you for sharing that. I mean, again, this this is one of those things that I think with the benefit of hindsight, it becomes so very clear. But it's always great to hear directly from people about the ways in which um, the ways in which they've changed or the ways in which they've noticed the the change that could come about as a result of getting more exposure to things. I actually just um, you know reading your message, Gerald, made me think about how important it is to have these kinds of moments of self reflection and realization. Not everyone has it, so I think it's great that you saw it. Right? I think we have time on this side of things for a voice note. This is from Prakash. I think some parents, uh, I think uh, they're getting this wrong. I think uh, some of the rich parents are trying to uh, send their kids to MRSM to mingle and understand what's happening outside the world. I think they don't, they still can go in their expensive cars. They don't need to change cars. <laughs> what they want the kids to know is uh, they're trying to give the kids a, a different perspective. I think what they're actually trying to do is teaching their kids to stay humble in their current position. Okay, What we don't want is when the kids, 
uh, when they are very rich and and they become arrogant okay that's that's i think that's very important so when they actually go out and mix with the kids who are not as privileged as them i think uh, they will begin to number one is be grateful for what what they have and uh, and stay humble i don't know why some people are getting very upset and say oh why you're still sending your kid in the big car you know change the car you don't need to change the car you know but it's okay to to you know try your best to you know make your kid see what's outside there prakash um i'm i'm trying to sort of follow your train of thought and i think i think what you're saying is that it allows kids from a more privileged position to um recognize that they have privilege right and that uh, sort of this not becoming arrogant and i think that's always something that's good to aspire for um i do think though that um this notion of we should stay humble and whatever can sometimes get a little limiting um and and i think the the point about the big car though is something that came up earlier in the show and um Yeah, perhaps that's not the biggest thing that we should be worried about, but I do feel like especially at a young age, these are things that very easily become points of comparison and one-upmanship. I mean, ultimately all it comes down to is uh what we've been saying this whole time and actually what we maybe advocate is kind of a weird word to use in this context, but what we've always said on the show which is It's really important isn't it to talk to your children. I know Absolutely. that's a very simplistic yes. thing to say, but ultimately a lot of what we're talking about today can be boiled down to okay, we're talking about what schools can achieve or what you can achieve in the school setting. But what kind of conversations are you having about that setting because that's equally important. Keep your thoughts coming. What value is there in young people getting exposure to those poorer or richer than themselves? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here on Inside Story. BFM 89.9 Best Flipping Moments BFM 89.9 The Business Station It is 7.18. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. We're closing off our conversation on... Um, this uh, value of young people getting exposure to those of different socioeconomic backgrounds and we're asking you what values there in young people uh, essentially going to school with people poorer or richer than themselves you can call us you can send us a voice note you can whatsapp us you can tweet us we still have more messages coming through so we have um people okay we have people talking about places outside of school in which this can happen. Um let's start with Roberto who says education it's teamwork school but most importantly family. The values of life and the hardships of it are better learned when they come from the family. Getting students from wealthy families to experience those hardships is related to charity work. Serving food in soup kitchens, delivering packages of food to people living on the street, talking to them, listening to all their troubles, it's what will make these kids feel how complicated life can be for the large majority of society. Roberto, you know, you make a great point um and it is one that was also brought up during the interview earlier that school itself or or rather just being in the same space, attending school together isn't enough, right? There needs to be a larger sense of um a conversation, a contextualizing. Uh but I do think that this can go hand in hand with school with being around peers um having friends i actually think having friends um going to people's houses getting to know their parents those are all those kinds of um intangible experiences um, that can go a very long way because actually it's not othering right yes. um, the, the thing about the charitable experience which is important i i'm really not uh downplaying that i think that it is it's a wonderful thing to It's a wonderful thing to expose young people to at an earlier age. Um but the thing about it is that you are still separate in in a very yes. specific way. And the 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 difference is very clear what yeah. you're there to do and what the power dynamic is. It's an act of service. Yeah. Um but if you think about all the examples that you gave Sharmila about what it would mean to be a friend with somebody from a different socioeconomic background which may include things like well actually I can't go to that restaurant. Um I I can't go for that movie today. I can't um my family doesn't have a car so I I won't the be able to join you there. The birthday presents we give each other are different. Yeah. And and all of that 
comes from a space of relating to somebody that you're already close to or getting close to. It is very different. Husni um, says, while it's important for young people from wealthier backgrounds to learn to acknowledge their privileges, it should not be at the expense of those who are underprivileged. I think there should be other platforms for young people to meet others from varying socioeconomic backgrounds. Perhaps parents can send their children to do volunteer or charity work in the absence of any national programs. And I think that national program point is one that I'm interested in. So I I found that really interesting too because, you know, while it was controversial, some people might argue that uh, the uh, National Service Program um, would have served that sort of function. Um, earlier, Gerald talked about joining the Navy. I'm not saying all of us need to sign up to the Navy or Army, but these sorts of integrated programs actually do that, right? They cut across socioeconomic backgrounds. I wonder whether something like... Um, Rakan Muda. Rakan Muda, summer yeah. camps, these kinds of programs would be one way to do that. It's why National Service keeps coming exactly. back as a conversation because it is also, there's something to be said about programs that are equalizers. How we feel about how those programs are executed and uh, what they're meant to achieve is quite another thing. But in in the absence of, you know, having these repeated conversations about schools or things like that, um, considering the, the importance of a program is interesting. DSK says, entrance into elite schools, uh, some MRSM Bitara, should be based on merits and performance, not parental income. But there should still be certain schools with a quota for B and M40. We should foster a culture of inclusion and mingling of all and not teach our future generations that we need to separate people based on their income. Imagine what they will learn um, that entrance into certain schools and places is decided by your family's wealth. I think that is actually a very important lesson um, to pass on, that you that wealth isn't necessarily... Um, an easy entryway into something. I mean, the reality is it often is. Uh, but I think that when it comes to access to education, uh, the more we can flatten those, the better we will be. I'm not sure how I feel about um, entrance into elite schools should only be based on merits and performance, because I do think the notion of elite schools, firstly, is a little complicated. But also, um, when it goes back to that notion of access to networks, access to resources. Uh, what do we mean when we say it's only purely merit? And I know that's a little bit of a controversial opinion because meritocracy usually is a good thing to have. In closing, uh, we've got this message from John who says, uh, we were less fortunate but attended school among richer kids and at times felt sad. Uh, we could not enjoy the luxuries that they had. However, that had a modulating effect, uh, making me a better person. Being successful in life, I now very frequently give more to the less fortunate and it makes me happy. John, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think that's actually a lovely note to to close our conversation today on. Keep your thoughts coming. What value is there in young people getting exposure to those poorer or richer than themselves? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.